0: Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt. No, there you go. That's all good. What were you going to say? Um, I, yeah, the Australian women loved me. <laughs> <laughs> good day. Good day. Good day, and welcome to another episode of Forge Side Chat, a podcast about blacksmithing, bladesmithing, and everything in between, with a heavy emphasis on the Great White North.
1: We're talking about Canada, eh? and today on the show we've got Alex Norton coming in with us from Tasmania. I don't know if you know where Canada that is. Of Pardon me? <laughs> the Canada of the South. The Canada the of the Canada South. Canada the No, we were just chatting the, about that, well, and uh, if you've ever been to Tasmania or know of Tasmania, then you'll probably know how much it's like Canada, it's just complete opposite side of the world from us, that's all, and uh, Alex was kind enough to jump on with us this uh, lovely evening here, his morning there, to uh, chat about his life as a blacksmith, and uh, maybe we'll get into what he's done before getting into blacksmithing too, you never know. You might remember we had Alex on with us as Forge Side Chat when we did Can Iron, which you can still go onto the can iron website and find all of the uh, can iron stuff that happened. Use the password big anvils, I believe is the password to get you in to access to all the videos. If they haven't just put it up for free at this point. That
2: was but a great event.
1: Yeah. Oh, dude, that was amazing. And no, thanks to you for kicking us off. You were the first person that we had on Friday evening and it was an amazing chat. Everyone was super pumped on it. It was. Yeah. I was I was blown away that we pulled that off to be honest. I couldn't believe that I had anything to do with something that amazing in the long run like wow. But uh so Alex is a is a knife maker if you don't know. You can go find him on uh Instagram, Facebook, um TikTok, YouTube, all the socials under Valhall Ironworks. He's making some pretty freaking amazing knives. He's making some
0: really, really badass knives yeah. and, and folders too. Some really, really cool folders. I, yeah. I'm uh, I'm just going over your Instagram right now and drilling
1: and realizing that I really need to up my game to get anywhere near this. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. It's pretty fascinating to see the fact that you went from starting this venture, you know, just in a shed type thing in your backyard or whatever. And you you're still pretty much working out of a shed in your backyard, aren't you?
2: Yeah, I started in a, a garage um, that was crammed with other stuff as well. Like I had a tiny little two by two area in the garage, and uh, now I've got a, I'm working out of a hundred and fifty year old wooden shed uh, in the middle of rural Tasmania. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, in in that regard I haven't really
0: come that far, but um, I've just crammed more gear in there now. <laughs> well, it, I think that's just a uh, that that's just a blacksmithing thing. It's it's. It's all about, you know, making your craft, but really what it is, is just buying more tools. It's collecting. Yeah. 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 Oh, a hundred percent. hundred percent.
1: And I mean, one of the things that's really awesome about that is it just goes to show that you don't necessarily have to have, you know, some world star resort for a shop. You can be working out of a hundred and year old wooden shed and be producing some amazing freaking knives uh very cool stuff. yeah if, if you've been yeah, following he's alex a you know to a he, soon. you're gonna up- upgrade to a shipping container soon mm. you gonna have power to it
2: yeah i'm actually i'm slowly uh, in the process of converting my entire workshop to run off grid from uh solar and wind energy oh, and, so- uh, oh. currently it's about 50 percent there in terms of power consumption um but um, slowly upgrading it because it's expensive to do and time consuming to actually run the electronics for that. So, um, yeah, managing that much off grid power is potentially dangerous if you do it wrong, right? Um, so, especially when you run welders and things like that, you really need to um, have yeah, a a serious. Setup. Um, but Tasmania has uh, a massive hole in the ozone layer above it, which means UV is really high, and um, there's a constant wind here um, coming off the. The horn of africa and then blasting across the side of southern australia we call it the roaring 40 and um so it just made sense to take all of that free energy and and use it to power my shop especially with the rising energy costs so um i'll be able to just transfer all of that to the shipping container and it'll be a portable workshop truly portable workshop
1: yeah. very cool get a windy nfd just hook that thing up to an overhead belt shaft yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: go new school old school
1: right Uh, yeah big time so i i've followed you intently for years now listening to the forge cast that uh, you were the co-host of for the longest time um Mm. unfortunately i haven't been able to keep up to you for the last couple of months because you're no longer co-hosting the uh the forge cast i'm not really too sure the backstory to what's happened with uh things there and you know life got too busy on your side that you've decided to go on to venture on your own now and uh yeah it was um it sort
2: of it's, it's like a good tv series you know you can either run it into the ground um by just because it's popular keep going with it and, and tell people who can't stand it anymore or you quit while you're ahead and um leave on a high uh, and the art of a good tv series is is knowing how to wrap it up and um i i just saw it was it was my time to to leave on a high after 4 years and 200 episodes that uh, brought a lot of light into a lot of people's lives and helped Heck a lot yeah. of people and um that way it will always be uh, a good memory of me on there yeah hmm.
1: wise words and
0: leave it like uh seinfeld or friends at the at the top of your at the peak you're not jumping the That's shark great breaking bad yeah there you go yep uh, definitely
1: leave everybody definitely. wanting more
2: right or, or mash i'm rewatching watching mash at the moment man that was a freaking amazing show An underratedly amazing show
1: yeah so you'll have to forgive yeah. me. I don't follow you very well on YouTube. Are you still producing a lot of YouTube videos or yeah oh, I wouldn't
2: say a lot um my my youtube upload uh schedule is very erratic and always has been um just because i I refuse to release YouTube content for the sake of releasing content mm. i just um i've I've had rants on there about it before the world sort of turned into this. I always compare it to the floaty fat people in the movie Wally, where people just, like, if it's not full of jump cuts and explosions and flashing lights and exciting music, people can't get anything out of it. And um, my content it doesn't have all the special effects and amazing cinematography and everything. It's just, I, I just want to educate people, help them <laughs> learn, and that's it. And so uh, my content is aimed at that it's, it's just pure information every so often I'll do something that's just for entertainment just because I want to do something fun um, and it's, it's literally the only reason that I will do something that's a bit more creative it's, it's for me um, and so I only ever upload if I've got something to say or something to show rather than to try and grow the channel I, I, I'm not doing it for that because if I start down that road with my background if I start down that road it'll turn into a, a beast mm. that has to be fed And I, I just, uh, I don't want to feed that beast. I've I've actually in past careers that I don't like to bring up because I don't like people, um, thinking of me as my past, past self, instead of my current self, um, I have gotten to quite high levels of attention and it's the amount of work that it takes and the toll that it takes on your personal life to have something that big, um, that you're at the head of. Is uh, it's mind-numbingly stressful, and so I just um, I, I promised myself with my new career as a blacksmith bladesmith that I would uh, keep it small and keep it soft.
1: That's uh, there you go. That's interesting, man. I I, I can't say that uh, I necessarily have ever looked at YouTube as is uh, causing causing that for people. But at the same time I, I have for myself somewhat because i've I've got that outlook that if I was to try to start doing YouTube it would be something that I would kind of get in consumed by I've, so that, that what i've what
2: I've experienced is a a small small fraction of what some people go through um mm. and it was enough to burn me out and um in a really bad way so i i see some of the really big channels that i follow and i can tell because my background's in in human behavioral studies i can see oh. in them that they're about to burn out hmm. and that it's starting to take a toll uh, like alex Steele, for example i mean the whole world's been kind of watching him <sighs> have to start to a big 180 um just because it just grew too damn big yeah yeah and, okay and that It's it's the sort of thing that once you've had it happen to you, you never want to have it happen again. Mm -hmm. And so it's – I know it sounds like a horrifically egotistical thing to say, you know, I'm deliberately not getting big. Um, But there are steps you can take. There there is a formula you can follow, and that formula involves giving a part of yourself that you can't get back.
1: Mm. No, I don't think it sounds egotistical, man. If anything, I think it's – that it, it's a wise man's words that understands the ego. If anything, fully understands the ego. That you you have to be careful not to let that beast consume you. Ah, mm. uh, that's easier said than done. Oh. You know, when you're right in the
0: when you're right in the beast's jaws, it's pretty hard to say. Oh yeah, I should I should stop and turn around and look at this. Oh totally. When I, I mean it, it creeps up when on when you fast. Yeah,
2: when I left, I got as much as death threats. I had people find like oh. find my home address, all sorts of things. It's scary
1: about the forge cards.
2: No, 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 no not forge <laughs> cards. I know. I was joking. A- yeah, um, it's just it's it's it's. You become an important part, and if you're a regular part of people's lives, you become an important part of their lives. And there's a there's a phenomenon called parasocial relationships. Where basically it's a, a a deep and meaningful relationship that only has one side aware that the relationship is happening,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and mm-hmm. this is a thing that happens. And you, you'll have people who they see you every day because of the content that you put out, and because of that, you're a regular part of their lives. But me as a creator, I have no idea that they exist because they yeah. haven't, you know, don't even see them. And these people start. Feeling like you are friends or that you have some sort of relationship, and they think that it's okay to invite themselves to your place or or something like that it doesn't happen often, but it's um' it's, you know it's one in a million people who do it, but all it takes is one to really freak mm-hmm. out well and the,
1: there's extreme yep. levels of it I mean, I actually just experienced that in a minor scope because I've been following Tom Billyew for quite some time now and he just he's a brilliant gentleman in entrepreneurship and business um, and just life skills in general as well I've re- really got a, a soft spot in my heart for the, a lot of the things the content he's putting out there and I'm constantly you know um, commenting on, on his posts to the point where I was ready to send him a DM to start talking to him as though I kind of know him in a way. And then I was like, What am I doing? Like, this guy has no idea who you are. He's probably gonna read your if he even sees your message, look at it, look at the first few words and be like, Oh, it's another one of these guys. And I was just like, No, don't yeah. don't even bother. He's he's too busy. He doesn't have time for that.
2: It's a spectrum, really, because you do get the people who take it way too far um and uh, and and get really creepy with it. they're very rare, very very rare um but there's sort of the other end of the spectrum where it's it's people that will get upset at you because you didn't respond to a message mm. um or you know they've in their mind it's like I've watched everything you've put out and you know commented and you've liked my comments before and everything, and then you won't respond, but the reality is like I get so many messages, I just didn't see it. Yep. Um, yeah. Because it got lost in the thing, but people will get upset about that. Um, or you know, sometimes I'll just get people that have never spoken to me before just DM me with just a question. No hello, no how are you or anything like that. They'll just ask question. It's like I am a person, by the way. I'm not a vending machine. <laughs> you know, it's
1: just say hi,
2: ask me how I'm yeah. doing. You know, say I really like your work or something like that to just remind to just. Remind me that you do see me as a person at the other end of it. Um, I I, I try and have as much patience as possible for it because when I have the interaction with that person to remind them of this fact, I know in their world, they just think this was one incident. This would have been like my 50th that week. Um, And it starts to to affect you psychologically to have Mm. that many people just treat you as if you're just a face on a screen and not a person. Um, it's, it's, it's the, it's just a, a downside of being a content creator as you're, because if you run your own business these days, you've got to be a content creator, basically. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's yeah. true. If
2: I could do it without any yeah. social media, I, I would. I'm, I'm actually What's... an incredibly anti social person. I, I'm very much someone who likes to just be left alone most of the time. But let's be but honest.
1: You, you, you need the social media nowadays to do what we do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, well, and, to, and to make a business out of it, for sure. Right. For sure you do. Yeah.
2: No, don't get me And, wrong, and I, you know what? I absolutely love the community. I think as, as a whole, it's an incredible community and one of the better ones that I've seen. And I've been involved yeah. in a lot of different online communities for a lot of different crafts. And when it comes down to ironwork, has some of the best people
0: mm-hmm. in it. Oh, 100%. But you know what? Let's let's just be honest. It's really hard to be a sex symbol. And that's where oh, we yeah, are right, right now. Yeah. Being yeah. this good-looking, you know, <laughs> Really, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Oh, Nick, it really Jeez, is. Jeez, Louise, buddy.
1: <laughs> Take uh,
0: Yes. You, you know what? Actually, um, I've I, I have I've had a bunch of people reach out to me this week and asking for um, because actually I, it, nudes. Well, yeah, exactly. Asking for nudes. Spelled N N O D Z. Now you're you're a good looking dude, Alex. You're a good looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> um no i've, I've I, one guy um needed a, a spring for a 25 pound jardine which i just happen to have so i was able to get him back up and running and you know uh there's not too many <laughs> there's not too many um kind of trades or 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 hobbies or crafts out there that would just be willing to say yeah here come take a Come take a spring, you need a spring, here you go. or you know i've I've answered lots of questions this week uh curl and clog forge actually uh oh, yeah, shout out to Joshua there. He uh gave me a call this morning, and we um, I gave him some some pointers on waivers and all that kind of stuff and
1: and uh is he the one that just got no. the 25 pound Jardine?
0: No, it was will Leonard from the forge Co
1: okay what I know he uh, uh, just got a, a hammer too. what did he get?
0: yeah, he's got a 50 pound. Nice. He's got a fifty-pounder. Yeah, I'm a little jealous there. I think it might be a little giant, actually. Yeah. But uh, yeah, cool. either or. Yeah, Power hammers are good. I like them. But, w- uh, what's yours again? Yeah, it's. Mine's a twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, and I, sometimes the small ones are, are good,
2: you know.
1: Oh, oh um, yeah. We just had. What's his name? Um, Matthew Harrison a couple episodes ago, and he was telling us about how he started his yeah. business off with a 33 pound hammer. And that to this day is still one of his favorite hammers. Half of his feelings of that is just, yeah. you know, attachment to it for it, it being the moneymaker it was back in the day for him. But I mean, yeah.
0: you know, those mechanical hammers hit so fast and they they hit really quite hard and those fast hits that's what that's what does you know, it that's what you're looking for yeah, yeah for sure I have, a, I have a number six
2: fly press that's my that's my um force converter oh
0: that yeah is,
2: uh, yeah yeah like my mum says why buy the whole pig when you only need a little sausage now and then
0: <laughs> <laughs> back to the sexism thing
1: i, I was he landed- i was just about to bring the tool cougar out there and then <laughs> he brought up his mom, and I was like, Well, that's bad timing.
2: <laughs> fly presses are great because you, you you still get. Um, I, I don't get much time for exercise. So um, yeah. being able to uh, forge by hand and then work a fly press, working big billets down, and especially when doing Damascus and that, you get a really good workout. Right. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. No kidding, you do.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. You'd be surprised how much force they have for a mechanically. Like oh, it's just a, a force multiplier and nothing else. No yeah. no motors or anything.
1: No. Right. Yep. No. Yeah. Good old physics. Well, oh, and the nice thing about it is with, in your situation is you got power. So you kind of got no choice.
2: <laughs> yeah. Cause my, my workshop may be solar powered, but the forge has no power running to it at all. Right. Um, it's over in a separate yeah. shed and it's, it's completely off grid. Yeah. Yeah. A dirt floor, too, so I, there's no putting a slab in for a power hammer.
1: Wait, so you have yeah. the forge and you have a workshop, and the workshop does have power in it?
2: Yeah, the workshop is where I do all the grinding and finishing and things like that. That's where I've got power,
1: and the forge oh. is across
2: the field in another another shed that is completely
1: off-grid. This makes sense now, because, mm. uh, yeah, duh, you run 2x72, so gotta have power for that what kind of power do you got coming in for that workshop Not uh, just house power is it 220 or what uh, or
2: yeah two two 240, 240 volt we yeah. have in australia yeah uh, 10 amp 240 10, yeah. 10 amp um, my 10 amp oh, my yeah.
1: dear. <laughs> that's not uh, a much, not very much <laughs> it's not yeah. much uh
2: and i uh the solar um that i've got is a uh 3000 uh, Three thousand six thousand uh sine phase inversion um so i I can run up to about eight point four amps on that pretty comfortably it's okay um I which given it's just me working in the shop i'm only ever running one tool at a right. time, so running a like a two point four horse um belt grinder that's fine that's well within that yeah my mill is a tiny benchtop mill so that doesn't take much power oddly enough the thing that takes the most power in my workshop is my i've got a beast of a drill press mm-hmm. that thing um that thing runs probably about 650 watts while it's going and peaks at about 9000 if i'm drilling something big
1: really wow what does it have on it like it's got to have a massive motor on it then
2: it's a big motor on it, yeah. It's it's a heavy boy. It's probably the physically largest tool in my you shop. Did you
1: get that from the mine or something?
2: No, no. It was just from a, a hardware store here. I had been using a d- dinky little uh, ridiculously small and flimsy drill press. And when you start making folding knives, being able to drill holes that are perfectly perpendicular becomes... Very important. Mm. Um, being a folding knife maker, about 60% of your job is that you now drill neat holes for a living.
0: Mm. So,
2: um, I decided mm. to get the best that I could afford at the time uh, best, biggest, most powerful, most sturdy. I can literally, I weigh 110 kilos. I can hang off of the drill table on that and not a single degree of. Oh,
1: flexion. that's, yeah, you got that's a big drill press. <laughs> Jeez. That's <Yeah>. nice. <laughs>
2: And, uh, I identify <laughs> I identified the thing that I do the most of and require it to be perfect. Like a 2 by 72 grinder can be imperfect and you can use it right and still do a really good yep. job. But yeah. there is no substitute for a good drill mm-hmm. press. It's one of those things that yeah. um, as a beginner, you just don't understand. And then you start getting a little better and you start realizing that that becomes super
1: important. I, I will say mm-hmm. that about anything when it comes to machine work. Uh, drill press uh, lathe a mill anything like that if it's not precise within within tolerance of you know what is it i'm trying to think like one one tiny little bit i'm fucking trying to think of a number and i fucking my mind's blank the americans got to use (laughs) thousands. i don't know but if you if you
2: if you have the ability to if you have a dodgy drill press and you make knives even fixed blade knives if you do any sort of fabrication at all if you have the ability to go out and even spend something like 6 or 700 dollars on a a good drill press for your workshop you need to go out and do it right meow it is it is important know. you need to yeah. go, go just jump in the car just go do it you will thank me later <laughs> you, you know, know even
0: looking things, I uh, just yeah, with anything, e- e- and you know what, even more than that, uh, if you can get your hands on a mill, go with that route. I, I agree, man, yeah. even, even, yeah, a mini mill. yeah, yeah, even a million mini mill. I'd, I've got, um, I've got a pretty small mill, it's nothing real fancy, but holy crap, my whole drilling game. Went up yeah. when I got that. Less what than a girl? year ago, I added a, a sieg
2: X2L mini mill, bench top mini mill, um, mm-hmm. the mill, and all of the tooling. And I kind of went a little, all out with the tooling, but you know, I got a like a good vice, I got some good end mills, I, good vice
1: makes a um, big difference too. Couple,
2: couple of yeah, a couple of upgrades to it and things just to make it run a bit better. And the whole thing cost me about three grand, and it was terrifying to spend that much money on tooling. And I had to save. Quite a bit for it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I have used that thing every week at least once. Usually, it's like four or five times a week. I use it, uh, and ever since getting it, without skipping a single week, it has become an essential thing in my shop. And not even to do things that only a mill can do. Doing things that I was doing by hand, but can now do ten times faster and ten times more accurately. It's just, it's been an absolute necessity in my shop. Same with the lathe. I got a mini lathe. It's dodgy as hell. It's like a little watchmaker's lathe. It's tiny, but uh, it's one of those things. I'll only use that maybe once every month or two. But when I do use it, I'm really glad I have it because nothing else quite does the job of a lathe.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I picked up a mini mill slash precision drilling machine. It's a Chinese knockoff Mm -hmm. of, well, King Canada's it's essentially a Chinese knockoff of somebody else too, I'm sure, whatever, but um, King is King's made in Canada. It's good yeah, stuff. It's, but uh, it, the Chinese models are the exact same as King Canada. And oh yeah. There's yeah. other companies that are made in USA that are exact same as King Canada as well. So it's like, mm-hmm. who was it? The chicken before the egg kind of deal. Like, which who, who was the,
2: this, Sort of thing that you open, crack open the crate and you get that really pungent
0: smell of Cosmo. Oh yeah,
1: covering. Yeah, in. I know yeah. Steve. Uh, open open and up,
0: and like, hey, sure. God, that turns me on. It <laughs> Turn just turns on. me on.
1: Oh yeah. New car smell. Oh you, like, yeah. Slap
2: on the slowly. Slap on the rubber gloves oh. and get out the the, yeah. uh, the freaking degreaser. And- <laughs>
1: <laughs> they can make those. In- Oh, with it spray, with it. spray it
0: down with break clean oh yeah, yeah
1: air fresheners in that scent would be great hey
0: <laughs> cosmoline air freshener <laughs> oh yeah kind of a it's it's more of a mix between mothballs and cosmoline that's what it really is it's there's a little bit of mothball, yeah, tinge, mothball in tinge is just so you oh, yeah. can't
1: handle that <laughs> 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 oh,
0: mothballs do you have mothballs <laughs> I, no they're regular my <laughs> balls are regular <laughs> I,
2: I I keep mothballs around, but for a different reason. Um, the when you live in the country, it happens in towns a lot more, but uh, as well. But it, the country, is, is pretty regular. Is um, bees will just decide, hey, that house looks like a good place to build a nest, and so you just get bees in your wall. Um, and if you poke some mothballs down in there, they leave.
1: Hilarious. Oh, really? I'm just listening yeah, really to Axe and them. Iron podcast and fucking okay, Roy, the psychopath, <laughs> he was telling talking about how he had, his house was infested with bees, got rid of them, went down in his basement and saw them there again, so he called the guy back to help get rid of them. The guy's like, oh, I'm just out of town right now, I'll be there in a bit. By the time the guy's, guy got there, the bees were gone. And he's like, What the fuck? And apparently, I guess bees will do this, is they will just roam in packs looking for a new place to set up base and
2: and if you find them mid-travel, it's quite fascinating because they protect the queen um, by mm-hmm. building a ball of bees around the queen, and it'll just, it'll just like hang there in a bush or a tree or something as this sphere of crazy, bees. Um, and the, and the yeah. queen is in the centre. Yeah, and then eventually they'll they'll do that while they send scouts out, and the scouts will all look for places, come back and report, communicate. The, the vibe of the place, and they d- make a group decision on which one is the best option, and then they move there and um, check it out. And if they like it, they settle in.
1: Well, in Roy's uh, yeah. Roy's case, the guy that uh, was helping him get rid of the bees told him, "Yeah, they probably took off because they realized you're a psychopath, murdering motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> Bee sense. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. I'd yeah. I'd probably move on if I saw him too. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: got a question for you Lando uh, shoot how, how how's the hammer coming
1: you by? know what man I meant to message you about this do you want me to put a handle on it or do you want me to just send you the hammer head
0: oh I want oh, I figured handle. that much okay yeah.
1: well I got to work on that then yeah. yeah okay but the head's done see it's 90% done. I haven't hardened it yet no no well that's all right
0: that doesn't no, I'm very yeah.
2: excited I've got uh, as a smith on the mainland of Australia called Nathan Booth yeah. who is making me a flatter.
1: I follow Nathan nice.
2: and I've, I've yeah. always wanted a properly forged flatter because I've always used the dodgy ones where you weld on a plate to another hammer and you know, <laughs> you know and yeah. really it, for, forging a flatter is such a nightmare <laughs> to do um and he's forging me one um with his new power hammer that he's tire hammer that he's building.
1: Oh, um,
0: right on. And I'm
2: very excited to have a proper flatter in my shop for once. It's such a handy. Thing to have. Yeah, they
0: really are. Yeah. The flatter. I, I use a, go ahead. I use a, a Mustad flatter. It's, um, it, I just, I got it at, uh, at a farrier supply store and, uh, it would works you, great. I mean, it's not very, what would you call it?
1: Mustad. Mustad
0: it's, Yeah. That's, that's the, the brand. brand. Huh?
1: Yeah, I've yeah. got uh, so my work was throwing out these big, giant, round cylinder like pieces that have a larger, uh, probably three quarter inch round below the cylinder. And I was like, well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, holy shit, that looks like a flatter just round. Who cares if it's round? It doesn't have to be square. Well, it, it's nice to have a square one, too, no. but for certain things The the round one works fine for what it is. Anyways. I grab it, drill a hole through the thing instead of worrying about messing it up in the forge or whatever. It's already perfectly flat, so just drill a hole through it, put a handle on it. The top part that I'm hammering on, though, it had some indentations on it, so I ground those off, made it kind of nice and flat on top. A few weeks later, I see some more in the trash bin, grab them. I have to make sure it's okay to take the stuff, talk to the boss or whatever, and he makes me sign it out and stuff. So I bring it home, put them on the shelf go to do the bearings on my camper trailer and uh, realize that they're all effed up so I have to replace them instead of just repack them so I'm doing the work to replace them go to put in the new bearings and I'm like oh, I'm trying to find something like a socket or whatever that I can use to push the bearing back and I'm like wait a minute Water. Yep. and I grab it a fucking bearing race fit perfectly in the damn the indentation that was on the backside Beautiful. and then threw it on my hydraulic press. Your window is yeah. wide open. Oh. Yeah. oh. yeah, my dog
2: is releasing some gas that could <laughs> clear a room right now. Surprise it's yeah. not hear yeah, that on the microphone. Oh.
0: My dog is sitting here just being the cutest thing ever. He's nice. waiting for mum mom to get, get home. Oh uh-huh. tootin'. Just toot. toot, toot. Is that a, a yellow lap? It's a corgi. Corgi, oh, looks like a big corgi. Oh, those, those, are good farters. Those are good farters. What I've heard, yeah. yeah. They yeah. fart good. What yeah. Beautiful dogs. So, yeah.
2: uh, he's not. He's not technically ours. Uh, we we just look after him a lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so,
2: his parents call us his step parents.
1: What's uh, what's been going on in your shop as of uh, the last little while here? We've been working on Alex.
2: I um been I went back to doing some slip joints for a while because there's in the if you make folding knives there's there's multiple different types of folding knives um and of all of them I believe and many people agree with me but not everybody but many people agree with me that slip joints are one of the purest forms of pocket knife artistry and mm. it's not necessarily because of the knives themselves, because the the actual decoration aspect of slip joints is more or less the same as any other type of knife. It's the mechanism, getting the feel of the open and close, uh, they call it the walk and talk. Um, And getting the walk and talk of a slip joint perfect is arguably an impossible task. So you keep trying to attain that perfection, knowing that you'll never reach it, but you can always make it feel better because a good slip joint should be like a fidget spinner. Like you just want to play with it all night. Um, so it's every, so every so often I like to dive back into that madness and do some slip joints. And, um, I did three, um, a couple of weeks ago and they had uh bullet casing, uh pivot bushings. Um, and, Relieved handles and, and, and beautiful woods in them. And I used Baker yeah. forge and tool steel for the blades, and um, they sold quicker than else not. So I um, had so many people left because of the way I sell my knives. I, I basically start what I call a dibs list where people can just say, I want dibs, and um, there's no commitment. There's no deposits, there's no down payments, there's nothing like that. Just when I finished it, I go through the dibs list in order and offer it to those people and they can either say yes or no. Um, yeah. but Like the first three people took three knives that I made and they had all these other people on the list. So I said to them, look, if I were to make another set of three, do you guys want to just like hold your place on the list? And they did. So I made another set of three and the first three people, actually the first two people took three knives. So I... um I've still got all these people wanting slip joints, so I'm probably going to have to yeah. do more. But um, I need to need to have a little break from it. Doing the mechanism of a slip joint, like it's very yeah. easy to make it work. It's very difficult to make it beautiful, and so it takes a lot of focus and refinement and sitting there with an optimizer and measuring things. And <clears throat> um, it comes down to removing like a hundredth of a millimeter at a time in in different angles and, and curvatures and things like that to make yeah. that.
1: We'll what are you using it, to what and, do you use uh, to remove the material
2: uh everything from um uh what are they called um you know yeah. those stones borides i think yeah, borides. Stones, yeah yeah um boride stones uh to files to uh, i've got a 1x30 grinder yeah. as well uh that i can run really high grit belts uh on and have a lot more precision mm-hmm. in what i do um a lot of people think that the one by thirty, they write off the oh, one by thirty. Like, I love oh, we it. We have a one by thirty, we have a two by seventy two. But having a one by thirty in their shop as yeah. well as a two by seventy two is just a superpower. I, so, yeah. I will, I will rough things in and then slowly start removing. Um, and I, I follow the. There's different styles of slip joint mechanism. And the one that I do is called the dog bone style, which was pioneered by a knife maker uh, who I believe has passed now called Jerry Van Isinger, Uh, his work um, and his, his work spreading education of that method of slip joint. Um, I've tried a lot of different types and his method, I believe makes the smoothest, most beautiful action. Uh, So I, I, I follow that same, uh, technique, and I actually did an online course about how to do it and how to chase that perfection. It's like
1: eight you took hours. the course, or you you have that course.
2: No, I I, I did an online course, uh, put one out there because Jerry was really good at spreading um, the information, but he would usually only do it okay. in person. And because um, he was a, he was an old he he worked making knives until he was like in his late 80s or early 90s, and um, wasn't great with the technology. But he was one of those guys that would like go to blade show set out his table. And then by lunchtime on the first day, he'd be sold out and just be walking around chatting to everybody else. Wow. Um, and so my online course does the same style of, of uh dog bone slip joint. And, um, it's a, it's a course on how to make one of the simplest types of folding knife. And yet it's eight hours long because of uh, going into so much detail about uh, probably too much detail on how to get that feel right. And it's, um, It's something that every so often I love doing, but if I was only to do that over and over again, I think I would go insane. Um, Yeah. Plus, there's there's not too much. I like doing wacky builds. Uh, There's not too much room for wackiness in slip joints. I'm feeling that. Well, that's that's
0: that's what I was, you know, looking at your Instagram, that's what I was thinking. Wacky. This is wacky. Mm, Yeah, like folding (laughs) eight-inch buoys and trident
2: main gauches with clockwork mechanisms that open Yeah. And, and gorgeous
0: man
2: Um yeah. The, I don't know if uh, you remember the timekeeper knife that I did that had uh, over 2400 watch parts oh, in it.
0: That's crazy. No, I, I don't it's remember
2: crazy. that. Yeah.
1: No. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: in a private collection in Wisconsin.
1: Oh, that's awesome, that's dude.
0: That's crazy.
1: That's so crazy yeah. to like yeah. you've been in blacksmithing what is it like 6 years now or 7 years?
2: six uh or seven years but uh six doing yeah. it full-time so,
1: I, I i was pretty sure me and you started right around the same time and holy frick buddy to think that you've gone to the level you've gone to in that time and wow wow
2: it's funny people people say that to me a lot but i see myself as is really far behind uh, and i'm constantly trying to i think that's probably why i like it's a curse cause you' like look at, back at knives that I've sold in the past, and I want to like take them all back and remake them for people um' mm-hmm. a, a sort of I think, oh my god I, I can do so much better now, um but I yeah. then see people like Niels vandenberg or Carl Royer or, or Ga de making knives, yeah. and I'm like, I've got so far to go yeah
0: you you know what in in ten or fifteen years you're going to be saying yeah. the same thing, yeah, yeah you know yeah. and exactly. but the, the reason. Like, the reason for that is you you're continually learning and, and improving and, and getting better, and, you know, it's, uh, the... yeah, it's, it's really cool. Because kn-
2: knife-making is affected by Zeno's paradox of, of um, you know, to reach a destination, you've got to first reach the halfway point, but then to get to the halfway point, you have to reach quarterway point and so on and so forth. So impo- it's yeah. technically impossible to reach a destination. Uh, some crafts, some fields are like that. They're impossible to master. There are plenty of fields out there that you can. You can actually you can learn everything there is to know and completely master it and be able to do it. Um, like uh, the design, I mean, you guys work with engineers, the design of the Zippo lighter. Mm. They perfected it. They realized we can't do any better and they just stayed there and they just kept making it because yeah. it's perfect. Um, but knives, there's no such thing as a perfect knife. You can't, you can't attain it, but you can always make a better one. I mean, humans have been... Knives are what makes us humans. It's the first Mm -hmm. tool that we picked up and and started making. And the function of the knives is still the same as that first napped piece of flint. It still operates exactly the same way. And yet we have refined it and refined it and refined it for thousands of years. New materials, new shapes, new edge geometries, new everything. And now working into... In this age of technology, we, you know, we're sending people into space and all this sort of thing. We still need knives. And so we've now turned it into an art form, um, which arguably has been done for hundreds of years now. But now moving forward, it's just going to refine more and more into an art form, which means it can just advance even further and even further. And now we've got these amazing custom steels being made specifically for knife making like apex ultra and things like that to make uh, the metallurgical side of the knife making more refined and perfect. And it's, it's just this deep dive rabbit hole that you could double in skill every month for the rest of your life. And on your deathbed, still look back and think I had so much further. I could have gone.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So there's, um, something to play on all of that when it comes to being the type of person that does this kind of stuff, because there's only, you have to have the right mindset to do this stuff. You have to have the right mindset to start your own business and to actually succeed at running your own business. And the two mindsets are very similar that, that uh, to attain both of of those things, to be a a full-time knife maker that wants to continuously learn and will always think to themselves that they could have been better. On the same hand, it's the same mindset that goes into running a successful business. And there's two parts to that, one of them being the type of person that is extremely confident in yourself that you can do it, but also so self-doubting that you will never be the best at it. So you have to try harder and you will always continuously try harder and harder to be the best because you don't actually...
2: I like, not, I like to sort of sit right in the middle and be a person that is always convinced that I'll be able to give it a shot. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll succeed. Like every time I do one of those wild, wacky builds, I start it having the idea of the finished thing and being pretty sure that I wouldn't, I, I'm not going to be able to do it as I have no idea how I'm going to do it. But the one thing I am a hundred percent confident about is right. that I'll give it a go.
1: Right. You have the confidence mm-hmm. to to actually do it.
2: Yeah, and in the process of trying to make it happen, I learn new things. I f- do some figuring, as the Texans say. And I, by the end of it, not only do I have the finished product, I have learned a heap of things. And so it's not the pro- end product that is the valuable thing. It's the amount of lessons and new skills that I've developed and fears that I've overcome by doing I
1: it. I definitely can feel that, man. Right. I, I went through, I, I did a knife build with Justin not that long ago. I went to his shop and spent a day with him and did a chef knife. The amount that I picked up from that uh, 12 hour a day I spent with him. Oh man. I couldn't believe all the different things that I picked up from it.
0: Uh, and, the, and a lot of it just translates into
1: artistic exactly. too. I too. Mean, you know, that's the thing. I'm know, not into this to yeah. make knives.
0: You know the, the the skills that you learn from traditional, you know, artistic or or architectural blacksmithing translate into knife making as yeah. well. It's you know it, uh, this whole absolutely. game interchanges so much. You know, there's so much you learn from one. It's like funny if other. you were to if you were to start out as a bladesmith and develop
2: a, a penchant for oh. blacksmithing and sort of merge into it. There's a lot of um a lot of learning that you've mm-hmm. got to do, like a lot of learning to move from bladesmithing to blacksmithing. Mm-hmm. But if you start in blacksmithing and move to bladesmithing, there's less. There's still a lot, um, yes. specifically around metallurgy. Yeah. Um, you, you really need to learn a lot about the, the, the hardening and tempering process and, and, and grain refinement and things like that, which blacksmithing doesn't need as much. It does still so, need yeah. as much. It's simpler. Um, but it's it's probably... It's fifty percent easier to move from being an accomplished blacksmith to be an accomplished bladesmith. Um, but then, once you have gotten all the skills in both of those crafts, have, having the skills and being able to do it are two different things. And I always call it the. Um, and are you are you familiar with the piece of classical music, Fur Elise? I. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. Oh wait. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 yeah.
2: yeah. So, if you've ever heard that played, I call it the fur release problem, and this is nobody else calls it that. It's just me that calls it that. So, um, I, as <laughs> don't you know, try to look it up. <laughs> if you if you hear that piece of music played correctly, um, it sounds very very different to if it's played passionately. So it's the same notes, um, but if you play it right it's so moving but if you hear it played correctly literally just as the sheet music says to play it it sounds very cold there's no emotional connection to it whatsoever and it's what makes the difference between like paint by numbers and an artist like an actual painter um you paint by numbers you are filling in all of the exact notes but how you play them matters and blacksmithing and bladesmithing both have that. It's understanding sort
1: of, um, that to blend between the lines a little bit.
2: Yeah. The art has all skill is as a foundation upon which to build art. It's, you know, there's a reason that some musicians have become legends that will never be forgotten throughout all, until the last human draws their last breath. Um, it's because they, they transcended the music that they were doing. Um, and you see this a lot with, um, I see, I I see it a lot, at least on, on my TikTok feed because I'm a guitarist. And so I, I see a lot of guitarists popping up on my TikTok feed. And one of the, the tropes, if you get into learning to play electric guitar, you learn to play some ACDC, um, good old Akkadaka comes up. Like highway to hell and things like that. And you see a lot of people who are clearly very accomplished and skilled at playing guitar, playing ACDC music. But when it's played really clean, it just it loses its soul. It has no soul to it. It's still it's exactly the right notes. They are playing every single note and they are playing it right. But there's no soul in it. And because of that it's it sounds cold. And then you see Angus Young playing those exact same notes, but he's missing them occasionally. He's he's a bit sloppy with it and everything. He's just putting feeling into it, and it just you just you know you get that the fizz from listening to it. And you see him just lose himself in the music, even though he's in front of ten thousand people. He's just lost in it, and that's the difference between a musician and an artist. And it's the same with Ironwork. It's the same with. You know, sewing, it's the same with painting, it's the same with any form of art. And knife making is kind of like that. I see a lot of makers out there that, you know, their fit and finish is phenomenal. It's just the detail that they have put in their work and the precision with it is incredible. But all I see is the correct notes. Their yeah, work has yeah. no
1: feeling. I hear you.
2: No love, nothing, nothing that actually connects to the person that is looking at it. And they're, they're two very different things. And I, I get a lot of people criticize my work and say, you know, your fit and finish could be a bit tighter or, you know, this this isn't quite right and things like that. And it's like, yeah, but did anybody go up to like Monet and say, you know, what you do with brushes is a bit weird. It's like, no, that's just how he paints. And this is, I, I put as much feeling as I can into my work. And yeah, my skills are constantly trying to get better. I'm always trying to get better and I've got a lot of room to go. And like we just talked about, that's an <laughs> eternal journey. I'll never be as good as I want to be, but I keep getting better. Um, but the love, the passion for it, the artistry in it, that comes from, from me and, and whether or not you agree with it or not is is irrelevant. It's, it makes me happy. It gives me a bit of, um, that love gets to be translated into the things that I make. And, um, you can be guaranteed that even on a project that I've hated, I've, I've Put that uh, spoonful of love into it it's It's been a piece of me that I've sent
1: out. Do you think that that mindset makes you a successful business owner?
2: No, no, It's being successful at business and, the, and and I know I'm extremely biased at this, but in my old job, one of my main things that i I used that skill set for was making businesses profitable. Um, I, I'm, I'm very good at making businesses profitable. It's probably the thing in life that I'm best at is, is behavioral game theory. And there are a very specific rules that you have to follow. And it's, it's an equation. If you fill out the equation right, the success comes. Um, the love part of it allows you to maintain the motivation and enthusiasm that you need in order to follow those rules.
1: Okay so here's another question that I want to ask that's uh on topic but it, it I'm I'm straying away because this is something that 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 just popped into my head big time. Um Robert Greene uh posted about this not that long ago um when it comes to passion that no one has passion about what they're doing until they've mastered what they're doing then the passion comes. Do you believe well, Go ahead sorry. the the definition of
2: mastered is sort of fast and loose there because some people's definition of what a mastering a, a skill is is different to others um i would agree with that if we are talking about mastering a skill meaning that you have uh, achieved the level of confidence where it holds no fear for you anymore um no okay. doubt no doubt for you anymore like like i was saying when i start a crazy project and i have no idea how i'm going to actually achieve it there's no doubt in my mind that i will achieve it so if mm-hmm. that is a form of mastery but it's not mastery over the work it's mastery over myself
1: hmm and, and i think and so when i re- was referring to the, do you believe that that mindset makes you a successful business person that's the mindset i'm talking about
2: yeah in that case absolutely cuz there are, while there are fixed rules that you need to follow if you want to achieve that success the the ability to stick to those rules it's like it's like um uh like playing you, you either of you guys play poker play texas holdem or like competition once or twice
0: once or
1: twice right
2: Self-discipline is most of yep. it and not, and not like running away with a, you know, you feel like you're on a roll or, you know, you're getting gut feelings and things like that. It's it's self-discipline and uh, being successful at business is like that as well. Like there are those fixed rules, but if things start going really good, you're likely to want to start doing, making stupid decisions if things start going bad you're likely to want to start making the stupid decisions but no you've got to stick to the rules because the rules work but that takes discipline because humans are emotional creatures and we we start seeing patterns i mean look at the phenomenon of uh pareidolia where people see faces in clouds and mountainsides and things like that um we see patterns in things and that's what leads to things like you know gut feelings um and We want to chase after them. It's just what we, it's, it's, we're humans, it's what we do. Um, and when it comes to business, business is cold and you have to remain cold with it. And that's very difficult for people to do. And I've coached a lot of people in business and a lot of them I've seen give up when things get hard or start lashing out when things get good. And then they think, I don't need those steps anymore. And you do know everybody from little old me and my 150-year-old shed all the way up to, you know, Elon Musk need to follow those steps. If you want to keep things running, doesn't matter how good things are going or how bad things are going. Those steps work and you just need to follow them. It's like baking a cake, you know. You can't, you can't mess with it that much. There's a little room for creativity. But if you don't get that chemistry right, that cake's not going to work out.
1: Mm-hmm so further to the question i was asking about robert green one of the things that i've kind of been pondering in my head is do you think it's possible to have passion for something before you've even thought about it yeah
2: yeah there's it's, it's we're getting into sort of esoteric fields now but everybody's got a calling i i believe this is personal right. Board, right everyone's got something and um, I, I bring this. I used to. I used to do a lot of like lecturing and, and motivational speaking things, and I would bring this up, and I would say everybody is good at something, everybody. And and then I would say, How, raise your hand in the audience if you think that you, there's nothing you're actually good at. You know, you, you're pretty useless. And always there'd be a few people put their hands up. And I'm like, if you think you're not good at anything, you just haven't found what it is yet. Yeah. And so it behooves you to start experimenting get wild on your weekends start trying things that you've always been scared to try because you will find it everybody has a natural skill and it's like a gift and you just need to find where it is everybody is just so good at something that they don't really have to try they still have to practice it and they still have to learn everything but they'll just find it just comes to them like breathing it's just natural Mm -hmm. Um, whereas other things you might be able to get good at it but you've got to really practice you've got to really try Like I'm sure I could get good at golf if I put in the hours and tried and everything, but I've played enough golf to know that it's going to be a lot of work. I'm 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 gonna, I'm never going to be playing the PGA masters. Um, but you know, I, I might be able to be good enough to beat my mates if I was to work really, really hard. Um, but then there's other things where it's just learning and getting good at it and getting really good at it, like getting scary good at it. Sometimes that just happens. And if you don't have something like that that is just so native to you that it's like breathing, you just haven't found what it is yet. But I guarantee you it's there. I guarantee you. Everybody's born with something.
1: Do you think it's possible to have passion for something that you're not good at?
2: Yes. And it's one of the biggest and worst curses that a person can experience. But the thing is, it comes down to why you're doing it. and. The why is it's everything. And I, you know, if you've been listening to the Forgecast in the past with me on that, you know I'll harp on about this. Why is everything? And one of the things, a bit of a personal journey I went through was um, blacksmithing and bladesmithing was my hobby that I did in my off time from my job. When it became my job, when I switched to doing that full time, <clears throat> I did it for years before I realized, oh, snap, I don't have a hobby anymore. Uh-huh. And it had been taking this sort of mental toll on me that I hadn't been lashing out. And it started making me really ponder the psychological psychological ramifications of that. And um, I was reading an incredible paper that was done, I believe, in the 80s by a psychologist who came up with a concept called the third place. Have you guys heard about this at all? A lot of business coaches and things like to talk about it. And it's very, very fascinating paper where everybody's got um, two natural places. They've got their home life and everything that's involved in their home life. Like, you know, if you've got kids, if you've got a partner maintaining the house, mowing the lawns, all that sort of thing, then you've got your job. And everything that that involves, including the travel to it, dealing with your bosses, your co-workers, everything there. The third place is the place that has to be separate from both work and home. And if you don't have a third place, a lack of it will lead to a mental breakdown after a while. So that third place might be hiking. It might be a sport that you go to and play with people. But it cannot involve anybody from work and it cannot involve anybody from home. It's got to be just for you. And that third place, if you don't have it, you really start feeling it after a while. And I was feeling it. And um, the third place, if that's what it's for, if it exists in your life to be the third place, you don't have to be good at it. So long as the action of doing it fills that need for you, if it is your third place. You only have to be good at it if you're trying to make a living out of it or impress people with it or something like that. If it's just for you, if it's feeding your soul, so to speak, then the third place can be something you're absolutely terrible at. Like I'm uh, one, of my, one of my third places is music. I am a guitarist and a singer. I will never be playing Carnegie Hall. I'm, I'm not great. Uh, I'm not a particularly good guitarist. I'm not a particularly good singer, but I love it. I I it feeds my soul when I do it. And um, I luckily live out in the middle of nowhere so <laughs> people don't have to put up with listening to me howl like a like a like a yeah. bingo in the... <laughs> I feel bad for my neighbors. Yeah, um so but it 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 lets loose my soul and I I need to have it. And so me not being great at it, it doesn't matter. And I don't try and get better at it. I don't take classes or lessons or anything because i don't need to mm-hmm. i'm not doing it to make my living um and so i have passion for it and that's all that matters it's my third place is one of my third places
1: oh, this is i love how we've dove deep on this man this is uh this unfortunately some you interesting not sort of extended conversation with
2: me without it
0: turning philosophical <laughs> at some point i'm a philosopher <laughs> first and everything else I, I i think that there's a lot of philosophy and blacksmithing and bladesmithing anyways i mean you know and a lot of benefits. Yeah, had yeah for sure for
2: sure you know i think uh, we had a, a saying on the forge cast in latin uh, in ignis veritas uh in the fire there is truth i
0: thought i thought you stole i thought you stole that from the boondock saints but whatever <laughs> no that's um what is that i
2: don't think it's i don't think they, they use uh in Oh, something else. You're, God, that's oh, a good movie.
0: That's one of my favorite movies. Of all of them time. are good. I mean, they're they're hokey. They're you know, but they're good movies. Yeah, mm.
1: yeah, they're entertaining. I, think, I don't really know if least. I've uh, t- to say I've ever watched them. To be honest, the Boondock Saints. Oh,
2: uh, after once once the once this episode's over, get it. Yeah, it. at least the first one. The First one is. I, I wasn't a big fan of the second one. Um, the it was it was yeah. okay, but the first one is not is a work, it's really good. Art. It is an amazing, yeah.
0: yeah. I've, I know I've really Connolly as a villain,
2: and he is genuinely frightening. He is,
0: yeah, but and then you find out that he's not really a villain, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. but don't, that's yeah, not don't ruin it. sorry. all right. I couldn't it's help really. it. It's, a, it's like a 30 year old movie, I think it's probably safe, although Lando it, yeah, behind yeah. the <laughs> times a little bit.
2: Can you believe Darth Vader was (laughs) there?
0: No, 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 no. Spoiler, spoiler. No, 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 (laughs)
1: no. Let's change topics. What have you been up to this week there, Nick? Uh, Well,
0: uh, working on a few little projects. I just, uh, I actually had a Swage Block made. So that's pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. How big? It's uh, 15 by 15. Originally, I wanted it to be two inches thick, but uh, the plasma cutter I went to said uh, no bueno on the two inches, so we did an inch and a half. So it's still still more than enough. And uh, yeah, okay. so we're building a stand for it this week. And uh, Julia, she brought in her little anvil that she picked up from uh, um, Sean Cunningham years ago. And uh, we're going to mount that. And we're taking that to the... Uh, to the Westerner Days expo- Exposition. And so we're going to be doing the blacksmithing demonstration at Westerner Days. We just had a new sign painted for the uh, the old blacksmith shop at Westerner Days. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's uh, awesome.
1: Yeah. And just a mild steel for the swage block.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It'll be fun. Um, you, I haven't, post a picture of that. I haven't seen it. Or have you? I, no, I haven't haven't posted it yet. I'll yeah, I'll post once, a picture once once we uh once we build the stand for it. So okay. yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, what else? Um working on a few projects around the shop. We've had a few uh few customers that want to do memorial knives. So we're gonna make canister Damascus and put a little bit of ashes in the in the canister. So
1: oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's pretty cool. Um yeah other
1: than that uh yeah you know what, uh, another idea for using the ashes if you wanted to yeah. is uh sprinkle it into the epoxy
0: oh yeah yeah we could do some 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 of that that's a really good idea actually that's another thing that we've been doing is i have been stabilizing wood like crazy um and i found some really nice uh figured bubinga like it's beautiful stuff. It's dark on one side and light on the other. It's only one inch plank. We started stabilizing that, and whoa, it's just it's crazy. There's Mrs. Twisted Steel behind me here. So good day. Hey, um, yeah, um, but we've got some Clara Walnut Burl. We've been man, I've been stabilizing everything I could get my hands on lately. So yeah, some really cool stuff. So yeah. Nice, what else have we been doing? Uh, oh, I just got a package from Sean Cunningham. Speaking of that, got a hammer. Right. Uh, yeah, hammer eye punch and a drift and some uh, some axe and hammer tongs. So gonna yeah, cool. gonna get going on that. You start making your own hammers. Yeah, and and we want to make axes. We've been we've been working on um, getting some axe classes together, but I better get really good at making axes before we do that. So
1: I thought maybe I should pound out a few. and do you have uh, the setup on your press for that?
0: Uh no, but I'm gonna do that. I've got all the materials. I've got S seven to make the, the the punch. And uh I've you know I just I just need to get my ass and gear and get that done. That was another thing that we did this week is we worked on the press um on the the on our where we have the hydraulic RAM. It was a little bit there was movement from side to side so we we shimmed all that in and got that fixed. So now it, nice. now it it's nice and straight. So Yeah, you don't have uh, any movement in there. No, no, we got that fixed. Yeah. And uh what else did we do? Um yeah, Julia's been working on some knives and Chad and I we worked on the sign a little bit today and uh we've got him I had him prepping up some steel for a little bit of a welding
1: project that I'm doing. And, uh, I have to yeah. say I'm a little sad to see the fact that you made the sign out of wood versus it, making a metal sign.
0: Well, there's that, but it, we wanted it authentic. And in the old days, that's what they made store and shop signs out of, right?
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. There was metal signs, too. Yeah. I I, I, just... I stick to my guns. <laughs> I'm, 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 not, I'm not impressed. Oh, I'm well, Sorry.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you know what I, I, I've thought about it and uh no I think we're well, and you never know. Maybe next year I will paint over the hammer and handle and we'll put our own steel hammer and handle up on the sign. That'd be kinda cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And tonight I'm making Mrs. Twisted Steel burnt ends on the barbecue on the smoker. So I just had to step away any No
1: beef, beef, beef burnt ends. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. A buddy of mine found a redneck recipe for burnt ends using hot dogs. Using hot, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. That's a really good idea. worked great. Yeah. Yeah, It worked great. The kids, the mainly were just, it was like candy for them, right? All over it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I I picked up some uh, beef ribs and tomahawk steaks for my mom's 65th birthday oh. a, a few weeks ago and cooked them over charcoal. Nice. Yeah. And uh I I should have I should have taken more time doing it. I rushed it. Oh. I, no. Yeah, I was oh. Yeah, what I wasn't as impressed as I have been with myself in the past to say the least, which Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to, I was working on my mom's uh, birthday present for her. I made her that uh, turtle sculpture that I uh, posted uh, on my Instagram recently. Yeah. So I I was, I I literally started that the night before. I had no idea what I was doing for her. (laughs) And she told me she didn't want anything. She just wanted us to spend time. And I was in the shop. It was Friday night. I'm always in the shop Friday night. And I said, screw it. I'm making something for my mom. So I stayed up to like five o'clock in the morning working on the turtle. I think I was working on the turtle mainly that night. And then, no, no, I was trying to forge out the, um, uh, cattails. Oh yeah. And I was trying to forge the cattails out of one inch pipe. So I was tapering down oh. both ends to create the stem and the, the top portion. Yeah. Holy gee, what a nightmare, dude that was the dumbest idea why okay i've come to realize something that not everything needs to be forged sometimes it's okay to weld things onto forged items to save some time because let's face it we have the ability to do that so why wouldn't you fucking do it right i, this whole... I, I why did you use
0: pipe instead of uh round stock
1: Uh, because I want round solid round bar would be way harder to taper down. Number one, no versus pipe. Oh yeah, oh yeah,
0: dude. I've made a whole schwack of cattails here a little while ago. I I don't have a power hammer. Uh, Okay, yeah, fair enough. I'm using a he is the
1: power. See, I was used a four pound hammer on my guillotine. Okay. Yeah, pipe under the guillotine swages down fast, dude. Yeah, and
0: that's fair. But you have a half completed tire hammer.
1: Shut up! I don't <laughs> like where this is going. What are you say? What are you trying to say? Yeah. I also have a whole shop that I have to finish building. <laughs> in winter time is my goal, and it doesn't seem like it's going that well. I just, dude, I just this really sucks to tell you about this, man. I just dumped my entire canner and savings into my my truck and my wife's car. I'm yeah. probably not going to canner now. That's that sucks. Full full front end rebuild on my uh, on my front suspension on my truck. Oh. and and uh, full brake job on my wife's car. So and then when I was doing the brake job on her car, I was like, oh man. Yeah. a few other things on here that need to get fixed too. Rear struts starting to leak pretty good. Front struts definitely been leaking for a while. Oh no. Back brakes were like right seized up. I had to fully swap out the calipers on that. Put oh, new calipers, dude. new pads. Because I'd been running like that for so long. And we, I didn't know this. She didn't tell me. Been running like that for so long. Front brakes were completely gone too. So I had to do those yeah. as well. At least the calipers on there were still good. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fun. And then the trailer also that cost me a couple hundred dollars too. And just add tally all this stuff up, and next thing I know, I'm like, wow, there goes twelve hundred dollars. Awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. That was when it rains. Yeah, it that was the money that I had set aside to go to Canearn. so hmm. maybe in the next couple of weeks, I can manage to come up <sighs> with it. I did just sell an anvil today. I finally sold my Trenton, hundred forty pound Trenton that I've been trying to sell for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Finally
1: sold it. Yeah. So, Yo. and I'm really happy with the guy that, the guy that got it. He's, it's his first anvil. So he picked up yeah. a pretty decent anvil for his yeah. first anvil and we got to talking and he's like really stoked on this whole adventure and he's going to join up with the Manitoba Blacksmith Guild and stuff like that too. And right on. Cool dude. Right the on. The thing about it is his name's Casey Jones. Like this no, like the guy from Ninja Turtles. Oh. And the singer. Dude,
0: I gotta tell you, uh, Ninja yeah. Turtles was way after my time.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, you're 50 something, right? Yeah, I'm 50. Yeah. yeah. You're an old fucking fart. G.I. Joe's yeah. was your thing, right?
0: Uh, G.I. Joe's was my thing, yeah.
1: Muffin oh. the Mule. How old are yeah. you, Alex?
0: 36. What? Wow. You're
1: younger than me?
0: Uh, you seem God, so, much... so much more mature more mature yeah right? <laughs> i've
2: i've been through some shit and i have got some miles yeah. on me uh, i've
1: been i've been through some shit too but i i i huh. definitely haven't been through well you've gone to like university and stuff right yeah yeah
2: but uh also had quite a lot of you know life shit kick me in the wrinkle beans repeatedly over the years so it uh it put some some miles uh, on the
0: old I think, I think a lot of people, <laughs> you know, get kicked, life kicks you in the old wrinkle beans, you know, to just about everyone in some degree or the other. I mean some some yeah. people get punched a lot harder than others, but we all have our own crosses to bear, right? So Yeah. yeah. and, and yeah, really yeah. I think that's what pushes you to be better. I think. I don't know. They say you're as old as you oh, feel anyway, so I'm a Yeah, I'm seven. right there. I'm right there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> excellent uh, i went i went from being 18 to 40 in like the blink of an eye man i'll tell you what yeah just one day i was a young buck and the next day i was like holy shit you're not like that young buck anymore what happened <laughs> son of a gun
2: yeah you stand up one day and your knees sound like bubble wrap and you're
1: like oh yeah. for, for me <laughs> it was in my hands i start started getting sore hands from all the work i do with my hands and I'm getting like crazy dry patches on my hands from all the work that I'm doing with my hands too. And I'm just like, Holy frick pain. And let me tell you
2: the the fact that my body cracks like a motherfucking glow stick and yet refuses to glow (laughs) is right.
0: (sighs) Uh, yeah. 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 It's really amazing how over the last few years, I've really found things that help ease the pain, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, ointments that you put on your on your joints, <laughs> that kind of shit. Yeah. Tiger bomb, dude. Mm-hmm. I I oh, live kalea. That stuff. Kalea, kalea is the stuff. It makes Bordy tiger bad. bomb look like a sheep bomb. Um, it's you get it at drugstores. It's uh, really a, yeah, K Y L A kalea. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look that up. Not K Y yeah. jelly. No, that no, that stuff doesn't no, no, burn no, no, unless you get the one burn. that's like, yeah, that heats up. You can get stuff can... with with cannabis in it. So it, yeah, so yeah. Well, that's
2: right. You guys live in
0: Canada, yeah. so you you have access to
2: one particular herb that makes you feel it quite. It
1: certainly good. does. I'll tell you what. no nah, man, yeah. I had a pinched nerve in my neck. It went It didn't matter how much of that I had. It did not do fuck all for me, man. The whole. The, no, oh, it's not a miracle. I, I, the whole thing I mean, that it is... gets rid of pain is, I don't know about that, man. It, yeah. Maybe no, it does. helps in a CBD, little, but. CBD oil certainly does. It, it's amazing when it comes to hangovers. I'll, I'll say that much. Well, that's I true. It, it's a fucking miracle cure for that. Yeah. It does an amazing job there. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I can't remember where I wanted to go when Alex just uh, had to step off for a second there and we went on to our little rant about what we were going, what we've been up to for the weekend. And the whole time I had this question in my head when Alex gets back. (laughs) Gone. It's gone. What is your go-to hammer?
0: Uh, I have a contentious issue. I
2: do almost all of my work with a 1.8 pound cross peen. Because I'm a firm believer that um, people have the whole fucking dick swing size um, thing, problem with hammers. Everyone's like, oh, you can't do anything without at least a four-pounder. And people are swinging eight pounds one-handed and things like that because they think it makes them more of a man. I will work everything up to inch-thick stock with a 1.8-pound cross peen, and it's about technique. I can go all day with that thing, all day and into the night with a 1.8 pound and get oh, good, yeah done. Um, and if I need to really move steel, I move up to a 2.3. Yep.
1: That's all. Half There's a pound. only one place that I will ever argue with you on that you need a heavier hammer. And that's when you're working with a guillotine tool or a or, or sp- but
2: that's the thing. I, I use a three-pounder on the guillotine tool, um, but now that I have a fly press, I find that I use the guillotine tool a lot yeah. less. Um, yeah. it's, it's it's sort of thing that, like, you see your blacksmith shop, especially after you've been doing it a while, you just start collecting hammers, and you'll have so many different hammers. But each of them has a specific purpose. You'll have your main daily driver that will do 80% of what you're doing, and then you reach for the other ones when there's a specialty <laughs> need. It's your daily driver that will really define a lot of things, not just how long you can go for in a session, how much work you can get done, but also how long you can do the craft for before your body yep. breaks. breaks. Um, and that does depend on the individual, a lot of genetics and fitness factors and all that sort of thing. But you find the thing, the, 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 the trick is you find the thing that's most comfortable for you, not what you think people are going to judge you for. Yeah. And that's the thing. There's it, so many people. It's like you know, my daily driver a four pounder. It's like, well, good for you, you know. Nice, no, having fun, um, burning out by the time you're thirty and getting carpal tunnels syndrome. Um One point eight pounder. If you're if you can't achieve what you need to achieve with a one point eight pounder for your daily driver, work on your yeah. technique. Unless you're a physically very small person, I find like if you are like five foot five and and weedy. You might need to, you know, work on getting yourself comfortable with something a bit bigger, just because you, you're at a physical disadvantage. Uh, I'm a, I'm six foot six and 110 Jesus. kilos. I'm a big dude, and when I strike with a hammer, I put a lot of force yeah. behind it, and uh, I've got, a have got a natural advantage there over a lot of people. But Roy Adams is a lot smaller than me. You all know Roy Adams, um, and he's the same one point eight pounder for, and he does it full time as well, and he does. Like iron work full time, not knife making. He's in there forging eight-hour days, uh, doing live streams yeah. and things with it. And one point eight pounds, especially with a good cross a well-made, well-seated, uh, a, a handle that, like you can see, the glossy spot on my handle where my <laughs> hammer, uh, my hand resides. But you see, I see so many people. Using hammers that are clearly too big for them, and they're choking up on it the whole time. Their hand is only like yeah. two inches below the head of the hammer, it, it, and it shows that that hammers too yeah. big for them.
0: And, and really, and that's the thing. I mean, you need to know that technique. You need to know, you know, where to hold that hammer. I mean, if you're doing fine little work, choke up on it, yeah. But in order to achieve that leverage, yeah. you need to to work at the end of your hammer, and it has to be adjusted for. For your size, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, good rule of thumb yeah. is hold the head in your hand, and then where your elbow meets—that's where the end of end of your
1: hammer should be. That's what she's <laughs> for right? Yeah. Okay, I got to give my two cents, though. Kind of, yeah. So I think uh, there's a very um, bad reason why people do this, and the but it's a bad there's a very bad reason but it's very understandable why people do this if you ever take a 1.8 pound hammer and go for a mighty swing and you miss swing and you're holding on to the end mm-hmm. of the hammer you're gonna get hit in the face at the end of that hammer <laughs> Yep.
2: well stance, stance plays a big part in that as well like a, a lot of people forget that i mean all of your hammering power starts at your feet and how you have your feet positioned is going to determine. Yeah, that. When I do a, an accidental miss hit, it bounces away from me, not yeah. into me, uh, because of the way that I'm standing and the way that I swing. Um, you know, a lot of you see a lot of people like cocking their elbows, which is going to define how it bounces. Mm-hmm. If it miss hits, you see people um, not following a straight up and down line, not getting a good, um, you know, rotation in a vertical line up and down as they swing, not lifting the hammer uh, high enough, or if they do, they lift it out and over their head instead of t- beside mm-hmm. their head uh, and their, their feet are together and they're not planted properly. You should be at a slight angle to the anvil, depending on what mm-hmm. you're doing, obviously. But um, I think as with most of the details of ironwork or any craft, uh, people seem to be, only able to paint the entire world with their own brush. So they think if something works for me, then this is how everybody else needs to yep. do it. And people like to 100%. go out. And, um, and like a, a good example is there are always exceptions to the rule. Like I, I was just saying a 1.8 pound hammer is, is a really good average to start with for everybody for their daily driver. But there are exceptions to the rule. There's a blacksmith here in Australia called mm-hmm. Seth Wood. That man is built like a brick shit house. He is, just a tank of a human being and uh his daily driver i think is like a it's either a four or a six pound i, I think, think it's it a, six, a pound. six pound he's
1: gonna really appreciate that you said that about him because i know you listens to the podcast <laughs> so yeah he's he's a,
2: he's a freaking legend of a dude but the thing is if he were giving advice to everybody and saying that everybody should use a six pound as a daily driver otherwise you won't get any work done that's inaccurate because not everybody's built like Seth yeah. would. Seth has done a lot of work to get to where he is and to build himself into what he is. And it shows in his work, like that the mm-hmm. one he puts out, the quality of the work, the speed at which he's able to do it and everything. That doesn't just happen to you. But it's like I was saying, somebody that has my physique is going to be just genetically much more able to build to something like that than somebody that's built, you know, tiny. And so you can't just say, because this works for me, thus everybody should do it this way because everybody's built differently. Everybody has different injuries or or illnesses or physical situations. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why I like to tell people 1.8 pounds, you know, almost everybody from kids to elderly can swing a 1.8 pound hammer quite comfortably for a decent amount Mm -hmm. of time. And it's the sort of thing you can practice very safely and still get a lot done. Um, and if you find after doing that, that 1.8 pounds is just too light, it's just, it's just not working for you step up, maybe just go up to like 2.3 pounds, see where that sits. Like, um, best mate, brother Odin on Instagram, um, bro, his name is, um, he, he, we met because he came to a class with me and he was using the 1.8 pound. This is a guy that he's a panel beater for a living. And so he's used to swing in hammers and he also does rock climbing. So he's he's like all the body.
1: He's half yeah. But
2: also he has a background as a powerlifter. So I've seen the photos of his bodybuilding and all that sort of thing. This is a guy that used to be able to lift cars from the back end and stuff like that. And so he settled into – he ended up getting a custom hammer made by a local um, hammer maker here in Tasmania called Jason Ellard. Jesus, phenomenal work.
1: Uh, Under a fly press
2: and um, under a fly press that he swings (laughs) (laughs) over, and like that. But that he made uh, Broden got a hammer made for hit to be his daily driver, and he opted for two point. I think it was two point three or two point five pounds, and that suits him. And I have seen him do like an eight hour day with that thing and still be go and do rock climbing afterwards um whereas if i used a 2.3 all day i probably wouldn't be forging really, the next eh? day Let, let's oh. just say that oh <laughs> okay yeah but if i use my 1.8 pound all day i just keep going another thing that's really good to and handy to practice and i think seth can do this but not many can do it is to train yourself to yeah. be extras and that way you can mm-hmm. switch out and, and start using your opposite hand for, for hammering If you
1: can do that that's absolutely amazing for sure dude yeah it's just a matter of practice, really. so f- furthermore to what I was saying quite have the yeah. of it. furthermore, to what I was saying about why I think it's a bad idea, but I understand it. The reason it's a bad idea to do to move to the heavier hammer, to choke your hand up, to have more control, but the the stronger hit. As much as I understand why guys are doing it, because now you're you're getting better control with the hammer. You can hit exactly where you want to hit, but you're still getting that same force you would get by holding the end of a two-pound hammer. Now you're getting that same force by choking up on a four-pound hammer, right? So I understand why guys do it. Yeah. But the problem, the reason I say it's a bad idea, is you are teaching yourself to use the hammer like that every time you swing it your body gets that much more used to it that much more used to it and it becomes what you become accustomed to which is so not good you if
2: there's another problem as well that builds slowly from it um and that is have you noticed that no blacksmiths except the absolute beginners that have only just gotten into the field no blacksmith uses um, artificially material handles. Right, on their totally wooden ones. Yeah, re- the, re- the reason for that is the natural shock absorption. Uh, that wood has. If you're holding the hammer choked up, you're not getting any of that shock absorption. And all of that vibration is going straight into your ulnar nerve cluster, which connects your uh, bottom three fingers all the way down to your elbow. And you will develop carpal tunnel syndrome from that vibration. That's
1: half the reason why I'm talking about why I think it's such a bad idea. And you're getting used to doing that. You're just, you're screwing yourself over. If you force yourself to use that 1.8 hammer, Yes, you're going to have a hard time with it at first, but you get used to using that 1.8 hammer and you become accustomed to it. That is going to be the best thing you can do for yourself as a beginner blacksmith. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I didn't do that and I started using the four pound hammer and I've become very accustomed to it now. I can still swing the two pound hammer holding the end of the hammer and I absolutely love using a light hammer but there's still a part of me that on occasion loves grabbing that four pound hammer and just maybe it's getting some aggression out. Maybe that's what it is. And I know that's the thing for a lot of guys yeah. getting into blacksmithing is they need that, that space, right. They need that, that mental therapy that they get from it. And sometimes smashing the Sometimes you just got right. to right? yeah. <laughs> with a four pound hammer or, or maybe an eight pound hammer, if that makes you feel yeah. better. Yeah. Right. And then you can go tell your mates about it. My, uh, my,
2: my wife is learning to forge at the moment, and um, the I think I'm annoying the hell out of her, the poor girl because I'm trying to mm-hmm. Miyagi her um, mm-hmm. because n- no amount of technique learning will help you if you don't have the confidence to strike mm-hmm. clean. And so I'm just basically handing her twelve mil or half inch square and saying flatten this, and that's it. She goes into the forge and she just spends her time flattening twelve mil square bar, and. The first time it would to, to flatten out like a six inch length of it would take her four or five heats and then after a couple of days of doing that, she would then be able to flatten it in two heats and then she can just flatten it out in one heat same and' it's, it's because she's getting that confidence because no matter how much technique mm-hmm. you learn, if you can't cleanly and firmly and confidently strike and know that the hammer's going to land where you've aimed it and where you want it to hit, and it's going to rebound in the right way, and you feel the hammer in your hand. You feel the feedback between the hammer and the anvil. You you get your body moving in the right way so that you don't tire as quickly. Until you've got just that down, there's no point learning technique.
0: Yeah,
2: It'll take you 800 heats to make a leaf on the end of some six-mil round if you don't have the confidence I to strike
1: well. Uh, yep. I I I think that tapers would be where I would try to push somebody as a beginner versus just flattening something out. But yeah, but still, that's that. But
2: that's still learning yeah. technique and and material manipulation and things. I'm talking about just get the ability to hold onto the material while it's being hit in one mm-hmm. hand and the ability to strike with the other yeah. one and and do it with utter confidence and not have to think about this strike yeah. and just know how much power is going to be able to be put into it and know what the translation of the movements of your body is going to mean to the steel and have that knowledge of it until you do that there's no point really learning any yeah you're
1: changing techniques. my mind on that I mean, it's...
2: a lot of beginners i see they want to get in and start making stuff and totally I, I, get I, I totally get that it is, you learn a new craft and you want to be able to see something for it but you'll only be able to do like a day of forging until you've
1: got that, that confidence to strike. Hmm. So uh, my brother and me are so fricking different. It blows my mind, man. I don't get it. He's gotten into pharmacy. He wears, you know, he dresses nice every day, has to shave and look good and he's into business and talking with all these business people. He's got into, um, property development kind of stuff so he's doing all that kind of stuff meanwhile i'm a i'm a mechanic kind of guy i'm always wearing dirty clothes i'm uh you know i i talk i talk shop talk every every second word out of my mouth is an f-bomb and stuff like that right am i and then on the same hand i'm like uh I'll, I'll have a i'll have a few beers on the weekend and just enjoy some time in the shop relaxing my brother nope we got to go to a rave and have a real good time. And I'm just like, like he's going out to BC for that. <laughs> the big rave that happens in BC. Shambhala. Right Shumba- Shambhala. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, seriously, dude, you're fucking 40, man. Like what the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Go, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, dude, whatever. But I brought him into the shop one time before and I was trying to teach him how to do tapers and he was struggling. And now I'm thinking to myself, fuck I should have just told him just flatten it just fucking way yeah. up just make it flat dude mm-hmm. make sure you hit the fucking hot steel not the hard steel not the cold steel <laughs> and oh god oh I cringe so bad I t- that anvil I sold today <laughs> dude, the the guy asks me if he can drop a ball bearing on it and I'm like well totally dude I yeah of course let's do it so he, he turns around grabs a ball bearing and a hammer and I'm like what is he grabbing the hammer for? And he goes to the handful with the ball bearing and then hits it with a hammer. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You hit a fucking anvil with a hammer, dude. God, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh. I went to go do it again, and I put my hand in the way and stopped. I'm like, no, the ball bearing, man. Yeah. yeah. That works. Oh. <laughs> He's going to listen to the I've... podcast and cringe. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was you, dickhead. That was you. <laughs> no, he's Not a dickhead. He just—he's learning, right? He does. He has. He's learning. That's all.
0: I'm. Yeah,
2: I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that's that thing. People will hear something and they'll just parrot it without, um, without yeah. bothering to learn why or understand I, the thing. They just will hear somebody say it that they maybe they respect or they look up to and they're like, all right, I'm
0: going to take that and I'm going to put that into the facts file without ever bothering to question it or understand yep. it. Yeah. Or learn why. I've, I've heard the, uh, the knife test where somebody orders a custom knife, they put it in a vice, they put a snipe on it and they bend it 90 degrees. Then they go back to the maker and say, yeah, it didn't bend back. <laughs> no, that's not the test you jackass. It's, Oh, did did you guys ever hear
2: the story of Carl Royer with the uh, mammoth ivory handle? No, oh, I, I want to say yes,
1: but you've you've oh, totally Carl Royer. I, I are you are you Nick? You know uh, who Kyle is? No. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh, Kyle
2: Royer is is arguably the best and most skilled knife maker in the world. Arguably, I mean, there are there are many incredible makers yeah. out there, but like if you had to pick one and say that. This person's at the top. Carl Roy is probably it. Um, let's say there's a good case okay. for it. For, um, for, for the people he that he are knowing, a,
1: there's probably some people we don't know of, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Sorry. Um, but, like, it's it's like chronologically, just wait a while. Carl <laughs> improves so fast that it <laughs> just... Yeah, true. Um. He he found his gift. He found his calling. Um, So he made a beautiful knife that had um, ancient mastodon ivory handle on it. And somebody bought it. And let's say Kyle's knives sell for vast amounts of Mm -hmm. money, usually five figures or more. This person bought this knife, took it home, and decided... No, no, no. He didn't use it. He, he decided, I want to know if this is real mammoth ivory. So he took it over with a hammer and smashed that mammoth ivory handle oh. of it to see if it was real mammoth ivory, saw that it was, and then took it back to Kyle Royer and said, you know, that was my fault for doubting you. Could you re-handle it with more mammoth ivory, please? And Kyle was like, oh, what the hell did you do? <laughs> Like mm. this beautiful piece of never again seen mammoth ivory. Customers are weird. Oh man. yeah,
1: the thing is, though, man. There. Yeah, when they you got money, money. does it does it matter? There's a, a certain amount of money you can have wow. in this world where stuff like you know, respect, yeah. you know, what, that, people that's like, like saying and shoot extinct animals for crying <laughs> oh, uh, People have no respect. Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa! It's shooting extinct animals. What? Tell me. Shooting, Wait, animals, shooting animals that are going Fox extinct. <laughs> like, what, what animals are you referring to? Oh, no, you know what? Before, before we start, before I think, we start, I think he says endangered Before animals, we start, maybe, maybe we should just extinct. end this because this is this is becoming political.
1: <laughs> For you, it is. <laughs>
0: I think I think
2: Lando is referring to the illegal poaching of things yeah. like elephants. Yes, yeah. uh, that's
1: cetera, it, That's exactly what I'm referring to, where, um,
2: which which is a real problem. Um,
0: where they've actually got counter poacher forces yeah. set up that hunt the poachers. So, just so you know, Lando, it's not some rich dentist going over there poaching. That that's not happening. No. no. No, although it does cause outrage
2: when they do go hunting, but they usually go with proper tour guides that yeah. uh, are showing them and, specifically and, bred, and,
0: and, and people just
2: like to go. Oh, they're taking
0: no, the old, know. the old animals that are past their prime that aren't right, okay. breeding. But are, the people that, that are, are poaching
1: are poaching, poaching for a reason. Yeah, yeah. I think I think yeah. You're specifically referring yes. to illegal poaching, and the reason that they're poaching is for people with a lot of money ivory and such no, they may not be it. making a lot of money someone Dude. eventually is making a lot of money off of it yeah
2: oh it... usually it's like rhino horn which is seen as an aphrodisiac yeah, in chinese yeah. medicine and things like that and um it's not i wouldn't say they're making lots of money for it it's just tradition yeah. based trade
1: uh, any, yeah. anything that's hard to get is worth a lot of money right
2: yeah That's 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 why I've been able
0: to. There you go. That's it. That's it. See, see how I did that? You did. You're a master. You're a master. (laughs) (laughs) Not my first radio. (laughs) Hey, Lando, what have you been
1: listening to in the shop? That's a good call. You know what? Um, I kind of I've been thinking about that today in general haven't been listening to much as far as music goes, but something that has really become hot on my list is a man by the name of Gwen Peeler that hosts a podcast called Ninjas Are Butterflies. And I'll tell you what, mind-blowing. Some of the freaking stuff that he Mm. talks about on his show, he does a lot of shorts as well. That's how I found him was through his, his shorts or in his reels. The one that really blew my socks off is, have you ever heard of the Greenbrier Hotel? No. No. Okay, so the Greenbrier Hotel is a hotel that definitely exists. There's no doubt about it. Isn't, it isn't a conspiracy theory that it exists. Um, it's about five hours east of Washington, D.C. in West Virginia. Oh, and... is
0: this the one with the 120 thousand square foot bunker Bunker underneath underneath it. Right. Yeah. Which
1: for a very long time was a conspiracy. It became proven true that this exists. It was full of different stuff for Senate meetings and all sorts of weird shit closed down the same time that the new Denver airport was opened. Yeah. So there's a lot of dots to be connected there. And it was just like, you know, like I've been told before that I'm conspiracy theorist level kind of stuff, and
0: to a oh yeah, certain, you, a, you wear a degree.
1: tinfoil hat. Pardon?
0: You wear a tinfoil hat for sure.
1: Yeah, to, I'm. That's yeah. that's the, that's the point where it's <laughs> like uh, I don't. If they are listening to us, I don't give a flying fuck. There's nothing you can do about it. Like I'm, yeah, like, yeah. There's 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 only so far you can go in conspiracy theories before you're like literally. Yeah. F- fucking insane and i'm listening to, i'm listening <laughs> to so this quick confuse them say the most random thing you can think of you know, blue
2: a good know why i
1: said blue this is another thing from gwen peeler did you know that the word blue did not exist in early transcript and they did a study on this where there's a blue. tribe in... blue doesn't occur naturally um Okay, so they did a study on this in Africa. There's a, a tribe that still exists to this day that does not have a word for the color blue. So they, oh, for the color blue, yeah, not
0: as in. Oh, I thought you were talking referring to Felicio. But
1: never mind. Oh Jesus! What? <laughs> so so they, they 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 did a thing with this tribe where they showed them a palette of green with one obvious blue on it. They. Could barely pick out the blue. They had a very hard time picking out blue. Then they showed them a color palette that was all green, and all of the greens were the same except for one. They were able to pick out the different green. Boom! Right away, because green is a color that they are associated with. They have they have forty different terms for the color green, but they have no term for the color blue. So, they are they colorblind? No, it's just.
2: I would say it's a um, sociological right. phenomenon because um, of human human language has no way to describe a color. Yeah. So what um, Lando sees as the color blue might actually be completely different to what you oh, see yeah. as the color blue, yep. Nick, and different again to what I see because there's no way that I can actually describe yeah. it. Thank
1: you me. for explaining that to Nick for me. I, I have a hard time explaining things to... Uh, <laughs>
2: So it, it may very well just look like a shade of green to somebody because oh. the aqua, aquamarine is, you know, just on the same sort of shape.
0: <laughs> uh, Lando. Yeah, well. So I've been listening to Iron Maiden, the trooper. Nice. That's mm-hmm. that's what I've been listening to in the shop. What have you been listening to, Alex? I've been really getting into my 90s jams. Nice. Nice. Um,
2: and when I say 90s jams, my 90s uh, sort of lasted until about 2002. There were some really good good ones like, you know, A Thousand Miles and things that came out in yep. the year 2000. Um, but there's one band that I thought, like here in Australia, it was huge when, it, when they came out, like massive. I can't describe to you how much airtime they got. And I was listening to it and I pointed out to my wife, I'm like, man, I've, I got how good this song is. And she's like, yeah, so it's just a shame they didn't really get out more into the world. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? I thought they were like a mega band that everybody knew. And it's like, no, didn't really have much success outside of Australia. And that was the band Killing Heidi. Yeah, never oh, heard of it. And, um, uh, yeah, their song Mascara is my favorite of theirs. And it it's one of those ones you just want to absolutely Rank when it comes on it's it, you know some songs just sound better when you play yeah, it really loud um mascara by killing heidi it was it was one that I'd never thought to bring up before on like Forgecast Song of the Week or anything like that because I just assumed everybody <laughs> knew about it because it was so big if you're an Australian, you know that song I, and if you're not an Australian, you might not. I just added that to my and playlist. This, I'm gonna. This is one of the reasons
1: yeah. why I love doing this segment so much, and why I've always loved. We picked this up from you guys. If you haven't, if no one's figured that out, but I think I've fully admitted that when I started doing it, that I'm taking it from you guys. I even asked you guys if you were cool with me doing it, and you, you and um, yeah, I said no. Yeah. We did it anyway. I, I, I do that a <laughs> lot, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> You and Sam always aimed to bring up bring up music that's not really known about,
2: you know. Like, yeah, we listen to weird stuff. Yeah. Like, we weren't we weren't trying with that. We just yeah. just the stuff we listen to weird stuff. Uh, Sam and I are both, uh, you know what? massive eclectics when it comes to music, uh, and so You've... yeah, our playlists vary. I I, I listen yeah. to everything from classical to folk rock to death metal to speed metal to nightcore to yeah. everything like i just i love it all i just love the the music. music
0: just just out of curiosity have you heard of the tragically hip i've heard of them i i don't listen to them yeah. regularly you see that's but good. that's a that's a band that was massive in canada yeah. and yeah, kind of trickles out into the streets a little, a, little a little bit, bit. yeah a little bit little bit but really didn't They'd go anywhere into else it, though, into a bare naked ladies no, I mean, not not the yeah, bare naked, which ladies
1: is for sure, for absolutely sure. beyond saddening because easily trumps bare naked oh. ladies like ten thousand percent, hundred percent. Who? Another Canadian band yeah. that's wonderful. Crash test. No, dummies. I know, I know who they are. But yeah. compared, oh, compared yeah. to the
2: Tragically Hip, who?
1: Even even who, Rush,
2: Crash test Even dummies. Rush.
1: I'm like seriously yeah, Rush. over Tragically Hip.
2: Oh man, I was listening. I I had uh, Russia's twenty one twelve album. On loop for like four days um, a while <laughs> back. Just mm, that's just as yeah. that a masterpiece. a f- Genuine masterpiece. I here. feel
1: like that about certain okay. Tragically Hip albums is I could have them on loop and just Yeah.
0: Trouble in the Hen House. Really? Trouble in the Hen House. You could just listen. Yeah. That's not one of the ones oh, I yeah.
1: would pick? I'm it was yeah. actually
0: really the, um Lando who introduced me huh. to
2: Tragically Hip. Oh yeah.
1: There you go. A yeah. hundred episodes go.
2: ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. Um, I, I, I looked <laughs> them up afterwards, and I didn't really vibe with them, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, well, not really my style. But that, that's music.
1: Yeah, you have to it's find good. the. the they ch- they changed their their style quite a bit from when they first started to when they ended. Cool. Did a Led Zeppelin every 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 album
0: was yeah. different actually you know what road that's apples. the one i would if go you, to just road listen apples, to road so yeah. apples. yeah listen to Ra- road apples that's that's the one that would get you into the tragically hip and then trouble in the hen house will just yeah that's up that's to here the is one another that just, one is that yeah.
1: just that had me really good up to that's here is really one. good their, yeah. their first not their very first album their first album you can tell it was their their demo album right it's it's got the original version of highway highway girl on there dude okay the highway girl um new orleans song that they did live where he starts talking about new orleans in the tank she can't fucking beat that song Mm -hmm. dude that is like like that's like isn't it funny the sort of
2: patriotic nationalistic outrage that you feel when you you discover that something that is so beloved to you is unknown outside of your own
0: country yeah and you're like, Yeah,
2: I need to get this shit fixed.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah.
2: Move mountains Something to that make you everybody them. So f- well, that's right.
1: Yeah. They they did a free tour as their last tour across Canada. Gord Downey, the singer, was passing away from brain cancer. And yeah. if that's not the most fucking Canadian thing ever, dude, like yeah. To go and do your I, live. Think it would have been- I was the
2: only way to make it more Canadian is if they apologized for not for, for it being the last one.
1: He did. He did. The last yeah. concert in Toronto, yeah. he literally bawled his eyes out. Fuck, I'm gonna cry.
2: <laughs> yeah. So was the tour called the Sor
1: Sori?
0: No. Sorry. No. <laughs> it. It Alright.
1: No. All but uh yeah. you know what? No. Um so as much as we're talking about Tragically Hip and we've busted out all these different hip uh, songs, my song choice of the week, the song, the stuff that I actually have been listening to all week, would be uh, Nirvana in Bloom.
0: Mm, good song. Yep. There you go. Good one. Good one. Good one.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, pff, silly us. Hour and 50 minutes into the episode, we haven't brought up Maritime Knife Supply yet. What the hell is going on, dude? I just <laughs> put in an order with Maritime yeah, to Supply, pain and pain guess what are the things that I ordered? Those what did you order? stones that we were just talking about earlier in the episode. Oh, uh, those were, yeah, yeah. They're a massive yeah.
2: addition to your Which shop, like to everyone to. should have.
1: Them. Yeah, I ordered a full set of those, plus the oil that you're supposed to use with them ordered that and um, oh, a couple
2: other you really do need to use that oil you can't you can't skip over that it really does um increase the life of those stones
1: and i bought a belt eraser that was the other thing i, I don't even have a 2x72 yet but i bought a belt eraser i i i have okay so i've got three 2x72s one of them is like literally yeah almost done i just need to mount a motor to it and dial that all in on a vfd and it's good to go it's been at that stage for like three months now brian house is probably like fuck it just doesn't doesn't even liking me any anymore because it's taken me so long to build this bloody thing and then the other the other two I've uh,
2: is just being a metal worker isn't it you're not a real metal worker unless you've got like 14 separate projects that are half finished or you know lying in various states of finish around your workshop Yeah. you Hundred percent confident. Oh, I'll get to that this weekend. But it's been this weekend for months, sometimes <laughs> years. I've got a few of those as well.
0: Okay. Well, yeah,
1: I appreciate the reass- reassurance that I'm doing the right thing. That I'm that I'm approaching things <laughs> properly here. <laughs>
2: it means you got eyes on the. Face. Not me. I get. I get shit done. Yeah, That's what I, I do. Well, come to my <laughs> shop and finish my projects for me,
1: please. Time management is like my worst fuck. I, and you know what's funny is I was just looking through some of my <laughs> old videos, um, and I found came across the Cinco de Mayo video I did for May, May from Acres and May Fourth. I think no, May fifth was supposed to be time management, and I didn't do that video until May sixth. So my video was. Guess how good my fucking time management is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and guess guess what I'm going to do as soon as I get my 2x72 belt. I'm going to hit up Maritime Knife Supply. And I'm going to be using their beautiful... Uh, what are you... Throwing me off here. You're typing. So it's throwing me off. Sorry. Um, no, I'm going to order their beautiful Sorry. 10-pack belt offer that they've got where you order 10 belts. And you save yeah. 10% so you get one for free maybe one of these yeah. days we will use the code fsc kiln and save a $100 off uh, paragon or even heat kiln but yeah i got to stop go. breaking vehicles before i do that
2: they're good people they even yeah breaking your Instagram vehicles and i literally am on the opposite side of the planet to them from from
1: Lawrence yeah, yeah. maritime night supply yeah. yeah he's a good dude man he's 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 like part he is like literally part of the glue of our community dude at this point he really he's he was down at blade show and everybody was just loving that he was down at blade show so yeah oh you got to take off soon nick i need i got like pretty I, I
0: got a, I got yeah. a
2: lot to do
1: yeah i guess so eh
2: <laughs> what is it friday for either friday lunchtime
0: yeah nice. all okay. Wow. Um, twiller linseed oil. What about the twiller? We did are
1: talking we didn't about the twiller yet. We're gonna we're gonna double down yeah. on our sponsors like that. You can have saved it for the after show.
0: Um. Oh no, no, I was doubling down right now. Yeah, hit well, it you hard.
1: can Save yourself ten yeah. percent on the twiller linseed oil products if you go to the Check out their beautiful array of products. I highly recommend their flax wax. It's a 50-50 mix of what well, don't quote me on that. It might not be quite fifty-fifty. It's a beautiful mix of beeswax and linseed oil. Patented a mix patented mix. I like it. Thank you very much. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what he mix. said. Yeah. So Alex is going to start reading our um our, our sponsor reads from now on. We're going to reach out to him and get yeah, them to do that. That's ads a really for us. good. <laughs>
2: Goes That's on a, a really good idea. My yeah, buddy yeah. Anthony's spaghetti sauce. So
0: <laughs> wonderful stuff. <laughs> okay. So I got to tell you I got tell you this little story. So we went... I didn't even finish um, the fucking so read, dude. I'm sorry. Sorry. Geez, go ahead. I said sorry, everything needs to be said. Well, it, well, no,
1: because there's a code you can use. If yeah. <laughs> you, you forgot to tell them about the code, Alex. Yeah. If you use the code ForgeChat10, that'll save you ten or 10% on orders, $50 or more. And this yeah. is like, this is all natural product, fun. seed in ground, taken out of the ground after it's grown, seed pressed in all by the same dude. And yeah. Milk to the bees this himself. 100%. Tiny, tiny
2: bee. That's that
1: how it goes, man. That's how it <laughs> works. You know it. Okay. So what do you got to tell me? Fuck. 100% maybe, Yeah.
0: So like I buy, I buy my employees lunch. They get lunch okay. every day. Right. So today we just had a jolly beef chicken come to come to town. And it's yeah. Filipino food. Like it's a Filipino chicken. Yeah. It was really good. But they serve spaghetti with yeah. their chicken. What? Spaghetti. Yeah. yeah. It, and and it's not Smooth it's sauce. um it's like ketchup. Yeah. It's, it's like delicious. ketchup. Yeah. And there's cut up wieners in it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything should tell me this is going to be awesome. Yeah,
1: I'm kind of on the fence. I, with, I kind of personally fence. think it's yeah. disgusting. Some of the people that I work with absolutely love Jolly Bee.
0: Yeah, well, it just opened up in Red Deer, and honestly, this was the first time that I didn't see a a line up around the block mm-hmm. to get into that place. So, had to get it for the uh. chicken yeah. and dogs. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I was
1: coming back from fucking BC one time, driving through Calgary, and I guess Popeyes had just opened, and I saw it. And I was like, "Oh man, I haven't oh, been yeah. to Popeyes!" Like they had one in Toronto for years before it opened anywhere else. Fucking yeah. doubled back to go to the Popeyes, and the line up was down a fucking like crazy block. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, ridiculous we, we line. Yeah, yeah. It took us an yeah. extra hour to make it home from the mountains. Yeah,
2: you were in a car. You could have cleaned up that line in two seconds flat.
0: Yeah.
1: Fun, no, it was a lineup of cars, not people. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, okay.
0: Holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he does drive a Dodge. So. Hey, man. Pokwise is good. <laughs> <laughs> <So sick. laughs>
1: oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you can't dodge him, ram him. On that note.
0: <laughs>
1: good day. You are a psychopath. <laughs> I've known
0: it for which a- Which one of
1: us? Yeah, right? Both of you us? combined and yeah. watch out, man. Don't get you two in a room together. Yeah. Six foot six <laughs> and 110 kilos and then six foot three and another 110 yeah. kilos. Yeah, 300 pounds. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, that's actually closer to yeah. 140 kilos. So. 125, 130. Yeah. Yeah. yeah ouch yeah you
0: two would hurt people yeah, yeah. pissed kiss you off. but i'm a lover not a fighter i i, I believe know, in the struggle.
1: i felt yeah. felt different but anyway
0: I we hurt people as we break hearts yeah that's
2: right
1: i felt differently right. when i started bringing up the hunting thing there you were like you were getting mad i wasn't getting mad i'm yes, just you, you were offended very...
0: no it's... you wouldn't like him when he's oh. angry <laughs> yeah if you thought that's mad, you have not seen mad um yeah, no, I, I think that it's 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 a political thing that's been gone over time and time again and honestly it, a lot Just of Africa sense, a lot maybe. of Africa has really hurt right. their conservation efforts because of the 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 end to ethical hunting. You know.
1: You know I like you, you know I have a love for hunting, dude. You do you, you yeah, didn't realize that, right? No,
0: I I do, but it, the 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 common the common script is that you know the big bad hunter goes out and you know carelessly kills that poor little lion right. well that lion is at the end of its life it can no longer breed but it's still fighting with all the younger lions and it's i, I it can, has to be taken out i can set i can settle this with one line that people just need to remember
2: yeah poaching is not hunting right yeah i i yeah. agree Poaching
1: is a problem. Yeah. Poaching and, is a and, proper problem. And you know what? Yeah. What, hunting. Is what I was going off of actually doesn't necessarily mean hunting. I, what no, I'm that's... referring to is people doing crappy things, really shitty things, Bro. including fucking human trafficking in the name of making money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's sick. Well, any... There's a lot of people out there that don't have fucking morals, and it's absolutely disgusting. Yeah,
0: it is. It is, and it. You know what? Hey, I'm making knives as fast as I can. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll sort them out. <laughs> Me, too, man. Me too. Me too. Me too.
1: No, no, that's so, not true. Know. Knives are just tools. They're yes. tools. Yeah, They're,
2: you know, not letter openers. They're people. Open. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> on that on that note though guys Ooh. i do have to get to work i'm sorry
1: <laughs> not a problem buddy. thank you have for a good night us.
0: alex you take care cheers
1: buddy. lando i Thanks love you guys actually i just made some coffee um you give me two seconds is that cool i'm just gonna go grab my cup i for- totally forgot about it sitting on the counter <laughs> talking about
0: emphasis <laughs> yeah <sighs> was how you doing alex
2: you're you a canadian as well nick
0: yeah 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 yeah. yeah it's uh it's 6 p.m here where i'm at yeah. so yeah ready for dinner actually i'm was, um, uh reading a very
2: interesting um article for ages I, I come from the little island of tasmania south of yeah australia and for yeah Ever they've thought that Tasmania actually broke off from the bottom of mainland Australia, mm-hmm. um, and, and they found out that it didn't. It broke off from Canada. Oh, really? Back when all of the continents were together, in a yeah, like, it broke up in sort of oh, like a,
1: like a, like a like labouch.
2: The of Tasmania actually came around the outside and ended up there. And the re- way they found it out is that there are rock formations on the coast of Tasmania that are only found in one other place in the world, and that's near Vancouver. No way. That's pretty cool. Yeah, which is why that's our good. climate and everything is kind of very yeah. different from the rest of Australia. It's much more like Canada.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. and, and really that's more to do with where you are in well, the world, right? It, we, like, we yeah, the you're, same, you're closer to yeah. the South Pole than yeah
2: but what it, what it happened is we've got the same sort of um uh biosphere as you guys and then ended up yeah. on the opposite side but about the same
0: distance from the equator and so we ended up yeah. being pretty much just like canada <laughs> it's it's kind of cool yeah back yeah. in the back in the mid 90s i i uh, did an agricultural exchange in australia and victoria oh cool so yeah that would no it's really cool is there a was, in uh, Tasmania? oh yeah yeah. Boy. Yeah. Sorry, That's I didn't mean to interrupt, interrupt. No, there you go. That's all good. What were you going to say? Good. Um. I. Yeah. The Australian women loved me. <laughs> <laughs> it was you know that Canadian accent, you know, and uh, yeah, it was. I. I. I really enjoyed. I enjoyed my time in Australia. That's all I have to say. Canadians so, fit in here a lot better than Americans do. Definitely. You and you know what? As soon as you make it very clear, Ted. You know, the typical Aussie that, no, I'm Canadian, not American. not American. They're like, ah. ah. okay, we
1: like you now. Yeah. yeah I, I there's right. a, a worldwide view about that, to be honest. Be right. <laughs> yeah. It's
2: mostly that Australians really like things to be relaxed and quiet, which yeah. is very, very Canadian, um, whereas Americans like things to be loud and intense and dramatic all the time. And it just clashes yeah. with the Australian vibe.
1: It's kind of weird though because the group of Australians that I hung out with snowboarding were fucking gnarly, dude. <laughs> That's probably why they weren't here.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Should we get this show on the road or what?
1: Uh-huh. What do you say? That's about let's time. It. Yeah, let's freaking roll. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Alex, start us off with a good day.